The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Rydercat. You can find me at Rydercat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And sound effects you've heard come from another than our man in Brooklyn, one eight and underscore seven on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Co-hosting from the Borough of Kings. Indeed. And we are, while we are coming here on, well, we'll get to that in a second, never mind. Uh, you can find us here, uh, podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us um, on your podcast browser place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to click like, subscribe, and leave us all the positive five-star reviews, especially especially on Apple Podcasts, because it does matter and helps people find us. If you would be so nice to do that, it'd be great. Um, but yeah, folks, we're just going to dive right into it with, um, actually, not one, but two um, weeks of Loki Season 2. Spoiler-free, because... Uh, we are recording on Thursday night like we normally would, which means the episode just dropped probably like a good 30 minutes before we started recording. Right. We are taking advantage of a uh, place in our schedule. So at the end of the day, we've got two episodes of Loki to cover. And, you know, it's not always going to be like that. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, not for much longer. Right. We're talking about spoiler free or spoiler light. Spoiler free mostly for the for tonight's episode, but spoiler light for the rest. But ultimately, I feel like these two episodes have been the stronger of the batch of episodes that we have gotten so far. And that the writing and the acting is, you know, absolutely top notch <laughs> in these episodes. Yeah, yeah. Like like I said before the show, uh, some capital A acting going on in these two episodes, which uh, are episode three eighteen ninety three, uh, which is last week's episode, and this week's episode that just dropped is uh, episode four, Heart of the TVA. Yes, 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 yes. So we only have five, uh, a total of six episodes, correct? Correct. So we have two more episodes. Next week's episode will be the penultimate episode, whether or not. We, rec- we record uh, with an opportunity to watch it or not. We'll see. But 
I will say that ultimately it's my hope that they really finish strong. And we all know, I guess with the exception of Loki, most of these Marvel shows have had struggles with their endings. My hope is that Loki continues to finish on a strong note. Yeah. Uh, agreed. I agree with that. And I guess there's a difference between Loki because of the shows after Loki. Um, well, some would, some would argue that Loki, Loki show was like, well, it's a, a far apart from where the character originally came from. So there's a detachment there. And right. some of those other shows kind of felt like they were slightly detached despite, you know, uh, what was going on to him. Some would say definitely secret invasion probably so suffers from that. But, you know. Right. But right, regardless, right, right. we are talking about Loki season. Uh, well, we're talking about Loki. And uh, so the the long and the short of episode three was they were on the hunt for a variant of, uh, of He Who Remains, a.k.a. Kang the Conqueror. Um and they found one, even if the title of the uh, episode doesn't give me any clue as to where and when, then, yeah, you know, you, you got it right there. Which leads us to this week's episode, uh, like I said, Heart of the, Heart of the TVA, where, um, well, the reason why they needed this variant uh, uh, was made apparent uh, uh, last, uh, in the last episode, uh, because uh, things are going down, things are a foot at the TVA. Right. Things are, things are about to hit, you know, the poop is about to hit the fan. Things are about to go down the, 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 the poop shoot. Uh, you know, there's lots of poop, uh, things that I can come up with, but ultimately things are in crisis mode, you know, at the TVA. So ultimately, uh, you know, a, a plot is hatched. There are multiple plots being hatched, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, Control of the TVA is at stake. The future of the TVA is at, uh, is at stake. The timey, whimey time travel stuff still gets a little getting used to if you're not into it. Yeah. So I would say that I think these last two episodes, more so than the first two, really helped me sink my teeth into the series. Hmm. Which actually, without spoiling anything, kind of reminds me of something that happens in, uh, uh, in the show. Is like you, I got the sense that something that happens in the show that happens in episode four was going to happen at the end of the season, mm-hmm. and apparently, uh, it not only does it not do that, but I feel like the the writers are were like, okay, this is going to probably going to lose some people. And they even God. built in, and they kind of built in a, a thing that one of the a, a character says to be like, "Hold on, hold on." Like there was a, there was a line d- d- directly built in to, to be like, "Hang on, we're gonna get there." Right. <laughs> so so there was that. That being said, uh, Agent Seventy said something about the end of the of the fourth episode that I want him to repeat because it, and, and there's a reason why I want him to repeat it. Because it's going to bring me off to something else that I noticed uh, with with uh, episode four. You said uh, uh, the way they were standing around kind of reminds you of something. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I was just like, wait, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. So at the end of this most recent episode, tonight's episode, episode four. At the end of it, 
uh, the majority of the characters that we follow in this story, in this show, are standing in a room in the TVA looking out a view screen, basically, looking out a window in, 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 in reality. And what it resembles and what ha- what's happening resembles scenes from various Star Trek properties where everyone is standing on the bridge of a starship. It's all it's shaped very similarly and looking out the view screen at what's going on outside the ship. And it was very, very It just seemed very familiar to me in that way. Right. And when he said that, I didn't think about it at the time. I was like, yeah, he's right. But also that also brought me to something else that kind of reminds me of a, of a Star Trek uh, episode. And not well, the, the music is more of a Doctor Strange slash they, they're going for a distinct sci-fi thing with, with the music in there. So, and I've been loving that. But there's a couple of things that happened in the story that we kind of alluded to um, uh, that happened in this episode that definitely reminds me of a couple of episodes of some sci-fi show or some show in just in general, but definitely I've seen episodes of uh, a Star Trek show or some sci-fi show where you see uh, a dividing line between some characters and some things which might lead to may or may not lead to a thing, but it doesn't actually go that whole route, but you've seen the, the you've seen it in a sci-fi before. Let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, yep, that, that in itself kind of reminded me of a, a star Trek or some sort or sorts or so similar, uh, sci-fi show that would have something like that to happen. So, uh, it was good that age of 70 had said that kind of re sparked that. And it's like, yep, yeah, there we go. They're, they're hitting the beats. <laughs> yeah. But overall, this was, I would, I, this episode had a lot in it, but weirdly enough, you kind of, ex, there's a part of it kind of expected there to be something at near, at the end of it, meaning like a mid credit or after credit scene. And there was not. So we can go ahead and say that. I mean, that's, that may or may not be spoilers to you, but Hey, you know, it's, it's a thing you know, want, want you to waste your time anyway, but given how it ends, you would think there should be. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. But it was a good episode. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Like I said, the acting no, was great. Oh, no, no, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, finish No, no. The, the, the acting was great. The, the way it ended off was like, oh, snap. Okay, you, you would think, you know, this this could be a certain point. But at the same time, like, no. We, got, we still got to come over episodes and definitely want to see where this goes. Yes, definitely. I, 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 this is probably the first time in a while where I've, I've watched this series and been like, I want to see what happens next. <laughs> you know? Right. So, you know. But in any event, uh, uh, Jonathan Majors doing his uh, Frederick Douglass Victor Timely thing is pretty, pretty fun to watch. So I guess that brings up something else from episode three that people, well, it brings up a couple of things because, and I guess we'll, that, that might get touched on in the news in a way, but people I had seen after episode three, people were kind of down on his portrayal. And I'm sitting here like, did you not watch the first season when he, when he popped in? Because I feel like it is not that much different from that. He's definitely he's playing a different character in a similar way kind of eccentric. Right. Uh, 
at the same time, it's like, how are you putting out? But also, part of me was like, you know what? I wonder if y'all wouldn't have, you would have said this if uh, dude had, didn't have any allegations against him. Yeah, right. So. You know. Oh, and by the way, before we go, mild, mild spoilers for tonight's episode. You, you'll see how Uroboros actually fits into the story. Yes. It's, uh, well, I feel like that was, that was, um, I, understood. I, well, no, not even, not that, but I feel like that was kind of a, 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 a flag. It was tele, it was telegraphed. Yeah. By the first episode. I, I feel like. Yeah. But it was kind of fun just to see them tie the loop in the story. Totally. It, they even they even kind of hit you with it again. It's like, oh, it's like this. Uh, I'm like, yeah, we, yep. we got it already. <laughs> we got, got it. it. We got it. We you got didn't it. have we to do it. that, but I appreciate it. Yep, Maybe yep, somebody wouldn't have gotten it, but pretty much. So, but yeah, that was a uh, that was um uh look season two episodes three and four. If you haven't been on it so uh this far and you're caught up on the first season, you really should. It's pretty good. It's been pretty good. Yeah, just jump in. Jump in. You know, it's it's not the Marvel you expect, and that's I think the the, the show's strong point. Or is it? Because we don't know what is what's going to come out of it. That's true. Well, I mean, we do. We're supposed to know what's coming out of it, but there's the things have been things are in flux at this point. So you know, right? Well, I mean, even given even given things like uh, the SAG after strike ongoing and the Writers Guild strike just ending, that's throwing things into flux as well. So right. We'll see how all of this eventually shakes out, you know, much to Kevin Feige's chagrin. We'll see. You know, I'm sure he's probably, uh, you know, one of the more nervous Hollywood executives right now because he's got a lot on his schedule. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely feels like uh, between this and the last episode, there's a, there may or may not be a swerve uh, mm-hmm. due to us by the end of this episode. I mean, due to, due to by the end of this season of one sure. that's probably expected. But we'll see. That being said, we're going to push off into the books, this week's books, with Amazing Spider-Man number 36. Amazing Spider-Man number 36 is written by Zeb Wells with pencils by Ed McGuinness, inks by Mark Farmer, colors by Marcio Miniz, and letters by our favorite, our favorite lettering Python VCs, Joe Caramagna. So if you thought we were not going to return to some of this limbo stuff from dark web. If you thought we were not going to go back to any of that, you were wrong. Like I was, I was wrong, 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 wrong. I thought we were going to leave all that stuff behind, but no. So we're back and we got rec wrapped to prove it. And I'll let Roddy cat pick it up from there. Yeah, hold on. I'm sitting here trying to fix a uh, fix a thing here. Oh, I heard dings. Well, then I guess I'll just. Do you mean to, to keep on going? No, no, I got it. I got it. I just need to. Uh, I can. I can fix that. And plus, I forgot to put. I forgot to. Uh, oh no, I did. I did do it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I figured I'd you up with rec wrap and go from there. Yeah. So yeah, you pretty much pinned it there. It was like because I was. I knew we were going to see him see this character at some point. Uh again because apparently Zeb Wells can't help himself and he, he kind of ah. let that genie out of the bottle um, but to what end we did, wasn't sure and now this feels like and it probably is the case it's probably it's like well you know what we know we're leading into gang war and there is sprinklings of that in this issue right. but we're 
leading into that by doing something a little bit lighter, I guess, uh, for the next, uh, let's say, probably a couple of issues. Probably. That's pretty much what probably. this feels like. We're even getting a Mad Balls reference. Remember those? Yes. Yes. Well, and, I hey. laughed. I looked at that. I was just like, what? Marvel did have the I license. The license. I was mm-hmm. like, did Marvel have the license for that? They for totally comics? did. Starline. Yep. Starline. Oh, Line. my God. They totally did. <laughs> That's too funny. So, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I saw that, too. I was like, okay, I, I see what you did there. That's, that's all right. <laughs> well, well played. Well played. But right. Overall, so dark, right. So one element of Dark Web has returned, you know, mm-hmm. the connection between Madeline Pryor, uh, a.k.a. the Goblin Queen, the only Goblin Queen that we know, <laughs> and uh, Peter Parker uh, continues to exist and continues to expand. Right. And I love how early on Peter asked the question I've been asking and somebody needed to ask Luke Cage um, during it all this. It was like, which was answered. It was like, wait, so these laws that's been on the books that's kind of hindering some things where, where superheroes are confirmed, like, which, you know, you know, can't you do something about that? And then there was an explanation on that, spoiler alert. But at the same time, I, mean, like, I, I, yeah. I see why we're still here. It, it's a, it's a, you know, it's there's a reason why we are still here, why why we're still going through this, and probably going to go into gang war, and probably won't be settled in settled out until after gang war. I have a strange Pro- feeling. Yeah, I think that's one of the setups for getting rid of this particular law that's on the books. Right. I would say that you know, obviously, you know, if schools do not teach civics, and unfortunately, you know, in in, in today's world we all know that uh uh, civic engagement is low and sometimes it's high amongst the wrong people so i will say that mayors generally do not and executive branches generally do not make laws that's usually at least in a bike you know in in a in a federal or 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 a you know uh, a system like uh, New York City's or in most states and, and, and municipalities here in the United States, it's usually other elected officials forming uh, some sort of legislature that make laws. So, you know, it's not up to the mayor to do that. I was kind of half expecting Cage to say that. But when Roddy Cat mentioned, you know, what, you know, what he mentioned about what it might take to change things, I saw that as the clear setup for gang war and its aftermath. Mm-hmm. And since it's comics, like, they're, yeah, they're <laughs> civics are a loosey-goosey subject, all in certain mm. cases. <laughs> so, Come on! Uh, you can be a bill on Capitol Hill! Uh, oh, you hope and pray that it will. But today, you know. it's still just a bill. All right, moving on. Pull that out President cap, Bartlett. Uh, I was about to say, folks. President Bartlett, I need some, you know, uh, 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 democracy pornography. I go watch The West Wing. <laughs> Much next. <laughs> By the way, Schoolhouse Rock is on uh, Disney Plus for you, for you younger folks. Get you some education. Um, next book uh, for us is uh, Uncanny Avengers number three or five, I guess. Is, is what you're Yes. Saying? Yes, 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 yes. It is, in fact, an acknowledged limited series. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Emilio Lazo or Lyso, uh, colors by Maury Hollowell, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So, um, 
in this issue, we get a fun uh, kind of, you know, a kind of uh, set of, you know, uh, let me rephrase it. We get a fun repurposing of the Uncanny Avengers because you have one kind of moment for Cap to do his speechifying thing, but also a moment to continue on their mission to take down the current, uh, uh, what is it, the Mutant Liberation Front, right? They, that's the name yes. that they've taken? Yes. So uh, I thought that was interesting to see those characters, you know, as they had been kind of assembled into a new Avengers slash X-Men team, you know, this Unity Squad, where it's up to them to, you know, really, uh, you know, act as a team. And I, I, I kind of liked how, uh, Duggan broke them up into groups, especially one group was kind of interesting. And I'll leave that, you know, and I'll hand it off to you at that point. Yeah. So, um, one pairing would be, uh, Monet, I can't, who's, uh, who's, who's superhero name. I can't remember. And Quicksilver who are paired right. up for a reason, which, you know, as much as I hate to say this, Monet is no stranger to getting get around to Quicksilver. Some, some would argue also. So, right. They seem to be making them too close. Uh, for, for making them very friendly, let's yes, say. Yes, indeed, indeed. And all the while, um, you know, other members of the team are doing things, which is kind of so. This is kind of funny because this is um, issue three, and last issue there was almost a coup. Um, and that's, that's a little stronger word, I know, but that was close enough because. Because Rogue and crew was like, hey, Cap shouldn't be leading this team because of X, Y, Z. And the emphasis on the X part, you see what I got there. Ha ha. Um, <clears throat> but this issue kind of comes back around. It's like Cap kind of, in certain way, shape, or form, still kind of leads the team in a way. Because he's like, well, I'm going to do this thing that would have that he would have kicked off somebody off the Avengers for. But turned it into something to, to bring the team together and, right. and, and you know, and, and do things. Although, you know, the team also in itself, they seem to be all in drift if you in losing the parlance of um, uh, Pacific Rim. Because it's like, yeah, all right, this, this, these unity teams kind of got their stuff together. So, um, and I do love the one little panel where it was like, well, I think it was, uh, was it Psylocke and Monet was talking? And it was like, I like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, everybody does. I'm like, yep, that's, that's, that's pretty much the case. You know, while, while Cap was doing the speech fighting. So overall, right. you know, it was a pretty good issue, uh, you know, pretty brief. And, um, the cover doesn't, uh, doesn't really show what actually happens. Oh. To a point, at least, right? Sure, there's there's something, there's some part of it that does, but not the way this is being portrayed. If you're watching the video version, right? And All, and ultimately, if I if I recall, that happened in the previous issue. I believe that is the case. Although the flavor text issue for the first for, issue. Well, you know what? I can't remember either way. But yes, you're right. Something like that did happen. But you know. Uh, right. factors, but uh, I was about to say because the flavor text for this was like, "Hey, something's going to happen to certain, you know, uh, uh, something's going to happen to a character," and it didn't. So, go figure. Yeah. Regardless, 
that's uh that's un- uncanny avengers uh, forest like i said continues to continues to be a, a pretty good book i kind of wish like i don't know where this is going to end off but i wouldn't mind seeing this book kind of have continue to have legs because the first volume of uncanny adventures was was a pretty solid book it right. went some places but it was a pretty solid book um so but i guess with everything going on with uh the the coming fall of x and whatnot i guess it was like well we don't need this around for that long so we'll see either way now um uh rapid fire sir all righty we will spin it up i ain't got time to breathe all right so i will lead off with tales of the titans number four of four it's written by andrew constant with art by brandon stein colors by lee luffridge and letters by wes abbott so this is the fourth issue in this uh mini series that focuses on four separate members of the titans formerly the new team titans and so you know it's the same uh four characters that were focused upon in the first go around but now we've got in this issue a focus on beast boy uh aka garfield logan aka changeling so um According to Roddy Cat, there are elements of this story, and I can see them now as soon as he mentioned it, because I have not, I have not, and I've been uh, very probably purposefully avoiding solicitations and just taking books as they come. I don't know if I'm doing the show a disservice by doing that, but that's more for my own enjoyment of things. And so, uh, whether or not this leads into something, we'll see. But I rather enjoyed seeing a few developments and catching up with where Beast Boy is now as a character. Because he's obviously come a long way from the character that I grew up reading in the, te- in, you know, in the New Teen Titans. So lots of, uh, a lot of things have happened. A lot of things have happened recently. One of them is dealt with one de- particular development that is relatively recent is now dealt with in this issue. So there's a minor reveal and I won't spoil it, but it's actually, you know, it makes sense that they would take some extra time in another book to do that as opposed to the regular Titans book. Next up is alpha flight. Number three of five. It's written by Ed Brisson with art by Scott Godlewski colors by Matt Miller and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. I will not spoil this. I believe Roddy Cat intends to read this and catch up on this. But uh, more Alpha Flight goodness, we do find out in this issue who is behind the mask of um, the lady with the sword. I forget who, I forget the, the character's name. Nemesis. Nemesis, thank you. We find out who that is. Next up is Captain America number two. It's written by J. Michael Straczynski with art by Jesus Saiz. Colors by Matt Hollingsworth. Wow, that's a terrible typo in my sheet. And letters are by our favorite, favorite lettering Python. VC's Joe Caramagna. So the cover, as as Roddy Cat is wont to ask, and you know, now I'm in the habit of asking it and commenting on it. The cover, what hap- what, what, what's depicted on the cover sort of happens in the issue, but not the, it, listen, 
shout out to Madison. It's not the way you think. So, uh, otherwise, though, we're continuing to travel down parallel paths in this story. We are looking into a slightly more MCU-ified version of young Steve Rogers. Slightly more. But the point is, they've never really told these stories. So, it makes sense that they would pull from the MCU skinny Steve influence and expand on it. So it really does make sense because these really are untold stories. You know, Steve Rogers before he decides to enlist, right? In all that time. So it's an interesting concept that had been heretofore unexplored. So I'm glad that Straczynski is exploring it. And the, the current day story is okay. It's a little bit too supernatural for me, but you know what? I'll let it play. It's only the second issue. Some, Next would, argue, up, some would argue it might be a little too supernatural for Cap. We, we've we lived through Cap Wolf, so you never know. We got him back, actually, because the, the, That's the Cap true. Wolf last week. That's true. But I'm just saying normally, but yes. Right, 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 right. right. Next up, though, Captain Marvel number one. It's written by Alyssa Wong with art by Jan Bazeldua or Jan Bazeldua. I believe it is Jan Bazeldua. Um, colors by Brian Valenza and letters by VCs Ariana Mar. I won't spoil this. I think Roddy Cat's going to try to catch up on this as well. This is a new number one issue that is meant to capitalize on the timing of the release of the new Marvel's movie. To that end... The story in this will throw some people for a loop because it ties together two kind of disparate concepts. It's a it, the concepts that uh, it's a concept that was central to uh, Captain, you know, uh, the Cree Captain Marvel and Rick Jones, but has never been a part of Carol Danvers's time as Captain Marvel. Until this movie seems to be bringing that in. And so it makes sense that they would introduce that concept into the comics. So that's really the main sort of spoiler for this issue. It's not a spoiler in the sense that you can expect, you could absolutely expect that they would try to do that. You know, if you've watched the trailer at all, you understand that that it's a concept that they will be exploring in the Marvel's movie. You know, up until now, it's really not been part of it has not really been part of Carol Danvers' story. So we'll see where they take it from here. Next up is Immortal Thor number three. It's written by Al Ewing with art by Mar- Martin Coccolo or Coccolo, uh, colors by Matthew Wilson and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Guess what, folks? Al Ewing on Immortal Thor candidate for click of the week once again this was an incredible issue written so well there's so much to it you know thor and loki they're in their element they're you know they're reviving some of their relationships their old ways and the new ways and how they relate to each other and it's a lot of fun and there is setup still going on. It's only the third issue of this new arc, of this new story. So ultimately, I think Al Ewing is telling another great tale. I'm 
definitely planning to pick up a paper copy of Immortal Thor number three when I get a chance. Next up is Jean Grey number three of four. It's written by Wheezy, Louis Simonson, with art by Bernard Chang, colors by Marcelo Maiolo, and letters by VC's Ariana Mar. It's been clear that this miniseries explores what Jean Grey is going through in the midst of the attack on the Hellfire Club Gala, on the Hellfire Gala. So we are in another moment of her history, namely the Inferno section and everything that has to do with Madeline Pryor. So that's all I will say. It's a lot of great storytelling. I won't spoil too much because Roddy Cat will probably read this as well. But he understands the story conceit, which is, uh, you know, the, well, the concept that the, the Wheezy's exploring is kind of what if or paths not taken, the road not taken, as it were. Mm-hmm. So that, is, you know, that continues in this issue. Next up is a Ms. Marvel, the new mutant number two of four. Um, it's written by Iman Volani and it's co-written by Iman Volani and Sabir Pirzada. With art by Carlos Gomez, Adam Gorham, and Adam Gorham. Colors are by Eric Arseniega, and letters are by our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. We continue down this path of trying to figure out how Kamala Khan is a mutant. And I think one of the best concepts that is being explored here is Kamala's imagination as a fanfic writer as a fan of the marvels you know the kurt busiek concept of of the marvels and the heroes of the marvel universe prior to becoming prior to discovering that she was an inhuman and then later a mutant. and i really like that in this, this miniseries so far and oh I did not read this. I think this was cut and pasted by accident into my sheet. So, uh, yeah, that's it for me. Oh, did I put that in yours? I certainly yeah. did. Uh, like, I was yeah, I was like, I did not read Uncanny Spider-Man number two. And Roddy Cat is going to put that in his sheet, so he's about to talk about it. I certainly did. Uh, actually, wait, why did I cut it? Well, I already had it on mine. All right. So great. But yeah, shout out to this while I'm doing that. Well, while I'm scraping that off, uh, shout out to this um, Terry Dodson um, uh, classic X-Men homage uh, variant cover. Of course, it says, welcome to the X-Men, Miss Marvel. Hope you survived the experience. If you're not watching the video version, which you should. You should. Yes, you should. But it's a nice cover. Uh, Dodson does some nice work. So with... oh. Boy, that could have gone way wrong. Thankfully, it did not. Um, we get to my books with... Excuse me. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, Saturday Morning Adventures. Pink number six. Uh, story by Eric Burnham. Art by Sarah Meyer. Letters by Ed Dukeshire. So... This is the, um, actually going back to the, the, the political well for quite a second. Um, apparently it is, um, there, there is a runoff election, a special election in the city of uh, New York for mayor. Speaking of, 
And one of the turtles is um many adversaries decides to run for mayor uh for a reason. This uh particular character is a robot and uh is apparently saying all the right things until of course, you know, as things tend to happen with an episode of uh, this version of the turtles or just in general, you know, the true colors are shown. Uh and uh yeah, this is so if, if for folks that don't know the uh the Saturday morning adventures moniker is pretty much like hey, you know, this is a certain era of this particular um these particular characters which in this case would be, you know, the old 80s cartoons. So this is the only one that has a continuing um set of uh continuing book though. But it's just been pretty fun. Some fourth wall breaking going on here um in a, in a couple of different ways, but also um is Agent Seventy? You as a New Yorker, there's not a debate uh, about um, well, one hamburgers versus pizza, or two, the point whether uh, pizza is well, New York is the capital of uh, the the pizza nation. Yeah, yeah, New York is the capital of pizza nation. No matter how many lists come out that say the best pizza can be found elsewhere, we we not having that. Well, apparently this uh, this this uh, this uh, this particular issue makes a case for. Well, it doesn't necessarily make a case for high hamburgers, but that comes up in the the the, the, the mayoral debate that is being had here, which is like, well, first of all, that is a crazy question to to kind of have right off the bat, but at the same right. time, you got to consider what kind of book this is. So, so it was kind of funny, right? Um, right, burgers is is something else. I've always I've always thought that burgers can be had. Great burgers can be had in almost any locale Pretty you know pub burgers are often the best burgers i've had ever so yeah pretty much pretty much that being said yeah uh fun read next up though um and i'm going to say this quite carefully you will understand why in a second darkwing duck nega duck number two <laughs> i don't want there to be any kind of mis uh uh mis- you know uh, uh, misconceptions or misconstrued mis- uh, uh, my That's words here. Funny. So, just saying, this is going to be a precarious book for the next few color, for as long as this book lasts. All right. So, Appreciate us enunciating very well and very slowly. Exactly. Uh, script by Jeff Parker, art and colors by Ciro uh, Can- Cangiolosi. There's a lot of. So, there's a lot more. Um, uh, Italian names in, in, in comics that we've seen uh, within the last few months. Not saying that we're not already, already done there, but just more so than, than we've seen previously. So Sure. I mean, at the end of the day, what, what you know, what's great about, you know, as much as we decry what digital art has done to certain things, I think what it's done, well, one of the benefits of it is that it's really exploded who can, you know, supply artwork. Mm-hmm. Because all of these files are being transferred digitally. A lot of it is being prepared digitally. And even if it's not being prepared digitally, it's being transferred for coloring and for reproduction digitally. Mm-hmm. So you can be anywhere on earth and draw your heart out and draw the best comics ever. And one of those, I don't want to say untapped because it has been m- more and more a, like a a, a Comic-Con centric place you know there have been 
pretty famous Comic Cons being held in Italy, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And so, some very notable artists uh, come, got coming out of there. Right. Of there, My so. point being is that it's become a hub. Right. And now, as, as you said, circling back to your point, you know, to your point, uh, more, you know, just more artists gaining exposure and gaining, uh, gaining, no, gaining notoriety as a result of being able to get their works into American hands and worldwide hands. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so back to uh, uh, Nega Duck number two. No, no. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, so this is the, the uh, Darkwing Duck's arch nemesis. He's got his plan that he's he's already hatched and he needed some help. By unfortunately, he needed some help from uh, Darkwing Duck's main boo Morgana uh, Macabre, and who doesn't very like him very much for. You know, for a couple of different reasons, one of which was uh, was just stated. But um, that kind of goes a certain way. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Darkwing's nemesis is well on his way, but he's got some folks on his tail uh, who are pretty much going after the the same thing he is. uh, Because I guess they they either felt left out or X, Y, Z, U, A, B, C. But this is basically leading somewhere. um, uh, Because I know this, I believe this is a miniseries, and I can't remember how many books it is. I think it's five, but I'll have to look again regardless. But um, it continues to be fun, just like uh, Darkwing Duck's uh, main book is. And also, just like the Turtles books I just mentioned, also face the fourth wall right off the bat, which is kind of funny. But, you know, the, the the similarities of the, that book and this book are basically because hey these are based off of comic book character I mean uh, cartoon characters, uh, so yeah not surprising there. Next up, um, man, there's a whole lot of books I wish I had I had a chance to read. Star Trek number thirteen. Uh, the continued adventures of uh, uh, Benjamin Sisko and the crew of the Theseus. Uh, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, a former guests of the show. Artists by uh, Marcus Toe. Uh, colors by Lee Luffridge. And letters by Clayton Cowell. Uh, you know, moonlighting uh, <laughs> away from BC at this point. Uh, so yeah, like it's, uh, like I said, uh, after the whole Day of Blood situation has been uh, taken care of, which has been the case, and after we found out what um, what is going on with the crew of the Defiant, uh, as as um, as of the last version, uh, the last issue of uh, Star Trek Defiant, we found out what happened to the other side of that equation in the, the crew of the, De- the Theseus, in which uh, Starfleet. Uh, pretty much gives, despite everything that happened, Starfleet gives uh, Benjamin Sisko a celebration, but it feels like it's also under the guise of sending him out to another uh, mission, thanks to one particular uh, admiral. There's a um, Star Trek Insurrection reference that I'm like, I didn't catch off the bat, but also I, I don't really think too much about Star Trek Insurrection that much. So, yeah... You know, the odd ones are the great good ones. Well, actually, I got to take the bite because Wrath of Khan is a great movie. Regardless, it was just beside the point. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, Cisco's new mission with uh, the folks that are left on the, uh, well, who remain on the Theseus, I should say, 
um, lead him back to lead them back to a group of people he's kind of familiar with, and that's the uh, Zinkethi, uh, who also familiar with this group for a very personal reason, is the young Ensign Sato, whose uh, you know family has had a lot of uh, uh, who's had some run-ins with them with this particular ship although because of folks that don't know that this is a very old ship at this point so uh yeah so this new mission uh kind of kicks off and uh, uh they get to a certain place and we get met by another star trek um a veteran that one of the away mission crew is um is quite familiar with having served with them but also we see this uh this uh new this person in a new light is that we don't really get to see, although they su- were supposed to be um, uh, um, babysitting uh, a couple of characters' kids, but that's not mm-hmm. the case. So we'll see what's going to lead uh, Cisco and crew. What uh, what trouble Cisco, Cisco and crew gets into uh, from this situation? And this is part one of uh, I think it's called Glass and Bone, as you can see, or Blood. Yeah, Glass and Blood, whatever the case may be. Has nothing to do with their blood. Actually, it says glass and bone, so excuse me for that. But yes, yeah, it's a new arc and uh, new adventures and uh, good stuff continuously. Next book. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Void Rivals number five, written by Robert Kirkman. Yes, that Robert, Robert Kirkman. Art by Lorenzo de, uh, de Felici. With colors by Patrico, and I think that's Patricio uh, Del Pesh, uh, with letters by Russ Wooten. So, for those that don't know, this book is set in the Inner John universe. That is the inter- uh, u- the shared universe with Transformers, GI Joe, uh, and this book. In fact, this is the book that kicked off that universe. Uh, a-, a point that they continuously make by throwing some Transformer stuff just all willy-nilly in the course of, the, uh, of these issues. For instance, the, the, you know, the plot of the issue kind of goes along, and then poof, we got some Transformer stuff. And then it goes back to the story at large, which is kind of funny. Although in this particular issue, there was a reason for it because it seems to be um, a blending of the two coming forth in this book particularly we've already seen transformers number one uh uh fly off the shelves and i think already getting a, a second impression a second edition uh and you know we've got the ties to this to that but not to gi joe which by the way gets a um gets a preview at the end of this book because uh there is a preview of the duke miniseries that is at the end of this book so yes definitely uh, you know, uh, putting the ties out there for people to kind of like, hey, hey, we got this coming also, by the way. But this book directly has nothing to do with G.I. Joe outside of that. Uh, uh, outside of that. Uh, and the premise still con- it continues to be, you know, you got these two war factions that apparently don't know they, ha- they have a shared history, um, which kind of is going to also come into bear because... Uh, there was a double cross, which ended up being a triple cross, and some backstory for one of the characters ends up probably going to end up uh, informing some things that happened in, in this book. On the other side of that, speaking of Star Wars, Star Trek, 
in a very Star Trek-like fashion, um, another character whom you can see on this uh, on the cover of the book if you're watching the video version uh, meets the Resistance. Let's just say, and that is a very Star Trek uh, Star Trek uh, thing. If you've uh, if you know about the unification uh, uh, arc of uh, Star Trek Next Generation, so there may be some of that going on in here, and it's it feels pretty apparent. So there is that. Uh, but this on its own, this book still continues to be halfway decent, so or, or pretty good. But you know, um, you kind of come in for the the the, the tides of the to the, the universe at large. But you know, you may or may like like what you you get into this. But hey, some good stuff. Last book for myself is the aforementioned Uncanny Spider-Man number two. I don't know if Agent Seventy, well, Agent Seventy is said he was behind this book, so yeah, he's probably going to check this out at some point. That's simple, but go ahead and yeah. spoil it. It's okay. Uh, it's written by Cy Spurrier with art by Lee Garbett, uh, color artist Matt Miller, and letter artist letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. <clears throat> so, Kurt still in his Spidey gear. He meets uh, pretty much if if you're watching the uh, the video version, you see in the cover, and yes, he does end up fighting a an MCU version of the Rhino. Um, but there's some other things going on with uh, behind that, and apparently Kurt may or may not be was already a, a hip to uh, going in and out of a fight. He also meets uh, a certain uh, mm, I guess you can call her an ally of Spider of Peter Parker Spider Man, whom they have a, a pretty interesting in- interaction with um, in, in the in the middle of this. Because there's a reason for that, and again, I'll let Agent uh, Seventy discover uh, what that is on his own. But this mm-hmm. is a, a pretty fun book, and there's another thing uh, that is a part of this from the X side of the corner that we were like, okay, I did not know this was a thing because I thought this character was in a certain place, but apparently uh, not so much. And we also get a, I will spoil this, we get a guest appearance for some strange reason by Dagger of Cloak and Dagger fame. Okay. Yeah, I, that part was kind of like, wait, is, is Kurt like tripping? Is he, he's got some mind things going on? Because we do know he has some, he has a, somebody on his shoulder, but we still don't know why that is, unless that comes from one of the X-Books that I didn't finish reading. Don't know. But like I said, uh, Uncanny Spider-Man continues to be a, a, a fun book so far. And, um, yeah, that is it for myself. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. I totally forgot to ask uh, the other folks, but I'm pretty sure they're behind, so they probably didn't have any, any anything anyway. And I have a strange feeling that I know Agent 70s. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes spoil things myself. Especially my own click of the week when I talk in glowing terms about some of the books that I've read. But I will tell you that I enjoyed a few books this week. I enjoyed Captain America number two. I think Straczynski is doing a good job. I'm not so sure about this magic uh, element in the current day part of the Captain America story. But I am enjoying the book overall. I enjoyed Jean Grey number three. I really like what Wheezy is doing with this story. Uh, 
I enjoyed Uncanny Avengers number three just because of Cap speechifying and you know there's a, a kind of a lighthearted tone to the series, even though there are some pretty serious things going on, like Captain, you know, the person running around in the Captain Krakoa suit, you know, is trying to blow people up with a nuke. So that's pretty serious. So I think that the one book that I, you know, I look forward to, I, you know, as soon as I saw it was out this week, I looked forward to reading it. That was Immortal Thor number three, and it did not disappoint. That is my click of the week this week. And shout out to this uh, JR. We, folks who saw, looking at the video version saw that I had the cover up before I even started speaking. But shout out to <laughs> the, <laughs> but shout out to this JR uh, variant cover. And that's both JR and JR Senior. I guess JR, JR Junior after Senior. Uh, mm-hmm. I suppose is the case. That's it. Is uh, that you see here? Uh, as I write down what Agent Seventy says, while I am. Um, talking about mine, which is no small feat. So, Uncanny Spider-Man is, is a pretty good one this week, like I've already said. Um, I think this one's probably a lock for me until excuse me, until I um, um, read some of the stuff that I didn't get to, like Wonder Woman number two and Amazon's Attack and um, the Tales of the Titans, uh, or you know, the book that uh, Agent 70 mentioned of. And Miss Marvel, because um, that was one of the ones that I definitely wanted to get to, uh, as well as the whole Star Trek, Star Wars thing. But mm-hmm. my click of the week is, no surprise, I'm probably going to put this one for Dirts also, because uh, whenever he gets a chance to read it, may be the case. Star Trek number 13 is my click of the week, because I continue to enjoy the st- what's going on in that book. Sounds good to me. Yeah, sorry, hearing weird noises outside, even with um, <laughs> even with my headset. So that's kind of strange. But we're going to push on to the news section. So first off, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night, folks. Only if you can hold your liquor is for Wink. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Have you ever tried an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel any time. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Cinematic news. Starting off with apparently uh, that uh, the boys spin off Jin Jin 
Gen V? Gen 5? Yeah, Gen V. Gen, Gen v. v, yeah. Yeah, it's getting a season two already. And I'm not surprised. I've heard good things. I just have not had the urge to watch it yet. Right. Uh, apparently there are three episodes left in, in this first season, but yeah, they've already been renewed for season two. And yeah, lucky to some it. Probably not surprising. I haven't watched The Boys or this, um, but yeah, I've I've been seeing things here and there. So sure, why not? Next up. All righty. So in a foreword from Kevin Feige in the newly released Marvel Studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and official timeline book. Uh, Feige states that uh, he recognizes that there are stories, movies, and series that are canonical to Marvel but were created by different storytellers during different periods of Marvel's history. Feige explains, the timeline presented in this book is, is specific to the MCU's sacred timeline through Phase 4. But as we move forward and dive deeper into the multiverse saga, you never know when timelines may just crash or converge. Hint, hint, spoiler alert. Right. So, you know, with some of these you know, things that are now assumed to be non-canon may come, you know, tumbling back into the sacred timeline. Right. Or whether there's still a sacred timeline after a certain uh, thing happened. Right. Let's just say. Anyway. So, yeah. uh, And that book that uh, Agent 70 is referring to just came out this week, by the way. So if you're interested in the the official timeline of the, the MCU, hey, it's out there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, though, we go back into the Loki season two. Well, with God dang it! So this is a reference, uh, and I guess it's probably a spoiler for season uh, for episode two, uh, where there was a Marvel reference uh, for a character that only had three comic book comic book appearances. I did not know this character because this was a, as we like to say, that's a deep cut, very deep cut. So, um, as a matter of fact, I've a deep cut going back to what the forties or something. I can't remember. Something, I don't remember. Um, but it was fo- the phone ranger. So go, go phone ranger. Right. <laughs> so don't let him um, hang up on you. <laughs> oh no. No. <laughs> Oh, wait, it says created by Kurt Busiek and James Fye in 1985. So I'm sorry, it's not that deep of a cut, but it's still deep enough. Okay. Uh, Marvel Age Annual number four, if you want to look that up. The Phone Ranger is a superhero. Uh, the superhero name of a mysterious man by the name of A.G. Bell. Boom, boom. Come on. You, you. I mean, you know, you know I, 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 I was I, oh. <laughs> right. Ugh is probably the word for it. But you know what? There was a lot of that back then with, uh, you know, character names. Actually, I would say that was sedate considering stuff from the 70s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lona knows, but also still, you know, that's never stopped comic books uh, before. Nevertheless, there was that. Next up. All right, uh, Loki season two Helmer Kazra Farahani details his working relationship with Jonathan Majors and addresses the actor's litany of legal troubles. So, in speaking to Variety, uh, he detailed his professional experiences with Majors amid the fallout from the actor's various allegations while admitting his surprise about the allegations. Farahani credited Majors particularly for the ideas he brought to filming alongside co stars Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. Listen, you know, if you were listening to the earlier part of the episode, you know, we give 
majors a lot of credit for how he's playing timely. <clears throat> and I think the, a lot of the characterization that he uh, that he supplies uh, and the acting, as Roddy Cap put it so well, with a capital A, that he, you know, basically is bouncing off of both Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston. And it's a, it's a sight to see. It's a sight to watch and to listen to. Yeah, totally. Totally. But I, you know, litany is a good word. I, I feel like, yes, he does. Man does have it. I'm not, I'm definitely not, you know, uh, taking out for man. Cause I don't know the man like that, but I feel like there's I, another quote unquote actor who definitely has a litany of charges against them that doesn't get nowhere near the flack that this dude has been getting. That's all I'm going to say. We've talked about it in the past. Right. So, yeah, it is. It, it continues to be that kind of world, sadly. Anyway, next up, uh, James Wan continue, uh, confirms a live-action Gargoyle series at Google+. Plus. Oh, sorry, I mean, Disney+, Plus, not Google+. Plus. That's a different thing. Google+, Plus is, hadn't been around in quite some time. Yeah. Although I miss it. I'll be honest. Um, and apparently, good news for Gargoyles fans. Uh, oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I was about to say, that's not good line. That's just a nice little byline that they happen to put in here. So I was about to say, some of the original uh, voice actors are coming back, but that doesn't look to be the case. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all we know is that. Um... Let me see. And this was according to a Hollywood reporter, uh, but this is from Entertainment uh, Weekly, which, hey, both are credible enough as it is. So, And apparently it comes from um, Wands' um, Instagram ac- account. It says, the gargoyles are out of the bag. Excited to be working with Gary Dopperman uh, again on this. He's a true fan. So uh, I sh- showed this to a uh, gargoyles fan of mine, and they seem, seem to be all right interested in this i have i have said before before have not seen this uh show in its original entirety so it's out there i'm eventually i'm going to end up doing so next up all righty uh sorry i pulled up another story give me a moment my apologies so, Henry Cavill's Superman is missed by fans one year after his final appearance. Uh, one year to the day that Henry Cavill made his surprise return as Superman in Black Adam, which I still have not watched all the way through. Same. Fans are reliving the heartbreak of learning soon after that this was the character's final appearance. I mean, too bad, so sad, folks. I mean, as Superman go, Cavill wasn't as bad as people gave him flight for. He was good! Yeah, so, I don't know. People are crazy. Yep. DC fans also, you know. <laughs> yeah, I said it. I say it again. Next up, yeah. though. Um, hey, folks, did you enjoy the uh, Star Trek Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds t- um, crossover, of which I have not seen? Guess what? There's probably going to be another one uh, because there was one teased at uh, New York Comic Con this year. By the way, I forgot to mention. Um, yeah, I, I caught up on uh, Star Trek Lower Decks couple of pretty good episodes um uh they, they are totally referential still that which still kind of irks me and and i finally figured out why the whole rick and morty-ness of it is because of the showrunner i i did uh, i did not realize that at first but nevertheless i still can i still like the show 
Um, but yeah, so the, the, the crossover happened between those two shows. Um, I know what happens, but I don't, I haven't seen them for themselves. And, uh, it seemed like, um, according to the showrunner of, uh, Lower Decks. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's, there might be another one. So, or excuse me, Akiva Goldman says this, uh, not, uh, Mike Mahan. So yeah. Next up. All righty. Uh, Amazon's Fallout TV show finally has a release date and it launches April 12th, 2024. Confirmation comes from a tweet which reveals the release date from inside a Pip-Boy Fallout's famous wearable computer. Okay. The first teaser for the upcoming Fallout TV show was revealed at Gamescom 2023, but wasn't released to the public. Okay. Okay, well, see that that part I did not know before I read this, but yeah, I know some Fallout fans. Uh, one in particular was very excited about this news uh, as a Bethesda slash Fallout fan. So, you know, for those who don't know, Fallout, you know, is a RPG, open world RPG, uh, made by Bethesda. Uh, open world jank is a word used uh, sometimes uh, associated with it. Uh, that and other open world uh, games, but uh, good stuff for one other. Star Wars is great, by the way. Loving it. Anyway, next up. <clears throat> Mission Impossible. <clears throat> Good grace, voice. Hold on. Mission Impossible 8 release date delays sees it pushed out to 2024. And apparently they may have taken off the part two off of uh, off of this one. I still haven't seen Dead Reckoning part one yet. So, um, and I am a fan of the Mission Impossible um I guess franchise the series at this point. So I don't know. There's reasons for that somehow. But of course, the actor strike, which is still going on, uh, is um, a key reason as to why it's being pushed back. Because you know, once one side of the strike has been settled, but not the other. Uh, it was going to originally be released in June of next year, but apparently, according to this article, it is slated to be released uh, May twenty third, twenty twenty five. So. Give me just enough time to watch the the, the first one. <laughs> I don't think I've watched Fallout, which is speaking of Henry Cavill, but that's you know whatever. But yeah, uh, if you're looking for for that movie to come anytime soon, yeah, keep keep wishing. Yeah, it's on. I was about to say the most recent uh, Dead Reckoning. It is on. Uh, yeah, Paramount is on Paramount Plus, right? Mm-hmm. That I believe yeah, is the case. Why I haven't watched it. Yeah. Well, weirdly enough, like I said, yeah, I hadn't watched that, and I think the one before it was Fallout, and I was like, wait, I haven't actually seen all of that one, because I think I watched part of it and, and didn't finish it for some reason. So, yeah, I get to it. Next up, though. Ip Man 5 has a major Donnie and challenge to <clears> overcome. <throat> it's not his character being, oh, spoilers, dead. Uh, Donnie Yen will return as Bruce Lee's Kung Fu mentor in Ip Man 5, but the movie has a bigger challenge to overcome than his death at the end of Ip Man 4, the finale. Donnie Yen's portrayal of famed Wing Chun Grandmaster Ip Man stands as his signature role with the Ip Man movie franchise, chronicling its title character's life story in a fictionalized form. So, blah, blah, blah. Uh, while Donnie Yen has had previously declared his Ip Man retirement at various points in the series only to subsequently return, Ip Man 5 is nonetheless a surprise for martial arts fans that is that is as welcome as it is as unexpected after Ip Man 4's ending. Okay. So, you know, we'll see how that is handled in Ip Man 5. Yeah, we've got a John Wick situation going on here, apparently. Now, I watched... If you, if you have not seen the original Ip Man, it is a great movie. 
Uh, I think I've seen two. Uh, the rest of them feel like cash grabs, but I will still mm-hmm. watch them, even though I have not at this point. But um, right. yeah, if you call, they're going to call something the finale, which I guess Final Fantasy fans would be like, yeah, they've been doing this for years. But um, yeah, you you would think that's it. So, but I guess if Donnie Yen, you know, wanted to come back for it, I guess there's still, still something to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cut that off really quick. Um uh-huh. As we get into the anime corner. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender live action reveals first look at Fire Nation because it was, you know, everything was good until the Fire Nation attacked, uh, including a very good looking Iroh and Azula. So for those who um, I'm going to pull up these images on the, the um, on the um, video version for folks, there's Aang, there's, uh, there's Katara, there's um, Sokka, uh, there's Zuko. There's another Zuko, but here's Paul Sung Hyung as Uncle Iroh. So Appa is playing Iroh, folks. And I gotta say, they got him looking pretty good. Um, also, there is uh, um, Elizabeth Yu as Azula, who I guess a, a younger looking Azula from here, and Daniel Day Kim as Fire Lord Ozai. So, and not Mark Hamill. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I don't know. I might have to watch this one. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I feel a kind of way about these live action things. Um, but some of these pictures look pretty good. Whether the picture itself, um, holds out and some of the cast that got in here, you know, I'd watch them. We'll see how that works out next up. Okay. Burn the witch number 0.8 anime flies in with the new trailer and a December broadcast. So, um, this is a prequel story that was originally published in 50th anniversary issue of Weekly Shonen Jump from, Bre- from Bleach creator Tite Kubo. So, it's made it into an anime with the series announcing its December 29th worldwide premiere date in a brand new trailer and visual that also revealed a new character and the theme tune. Uh, also, uh, shout out to Attack on Titan, which is finally going to air its final episode very, very soon. Not before the next episode, but our next episode, but probably soon after. So I'm glad you've mentioned that. It's funny you should mention that because you'll get a kick out of this. I have a friend of mine who I just talked to who had just restarted watching Attack on Titan recently because they, and the reason why they restarted is because they forgot where they were because it's been so mm. long since that's And I did not know this person would be, even be into that, well, that show, much less anime because they're kind of particular. So, so when they told me that, I was like, huh, that's quite interesting. <laughs> there it is. I would almost watch it with him, but I'm not. So, <clears throat> moving on to the manga corner. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So apparently there is a shonen manga called um, Akane ban- Banashi who is challenging the perceptions of what a shonen uh, manga is, uh, according to this article. 
Uh, and it, this article kind of goes into the reasons why it is up subverting those expectations. One of which is it's starring a young girl, and there aren't that many shonen uh, um, anime that does that. There are a few. Don't get me wrong. So don't don't come at me for this. But there aren't that many because because <laughs> shonen are usually geared quote unquote towards the boys. So there is that. Uh, but apparently the the story of uh, Akane Banashi is the story of a young girl named Akane who dreams of becoming a, a professional uh, Rakugoka one day. Uh, uh, and apparently that is a storyteller who engages in, uh, who's a storyteller, uh, a performing storyteller, I guess, uh, normally done by, by guys. It's just like, it is done as a solo performer and has no props. Uh, the stories told are one of a variety of stock tales from ancient times, which the audience is generally aware of. So, and according to this article, it says it's not sounds like a compelling topic for a shonen manga, but the series takes this very niche subject and brilliantly, according to this article, adapts it to the shonen narrative while revolutionizing it at the same time. So, if that is something that sounds uh, interesting to you, hey, check it out, because I'm pretty sure it's out there in Shonen Junk. Yes. Next up. All righty. Guess what, folks? Tom Brevoort has named his successor as Avengers editor. And that is Will Moss. And that he's going to be the Avengers editor for 2024. Tom Brevoort is still transitioning over from uh, the Avengers titles over to the X Corner. Mm-hmm. But uh, Will Moss is moving over to the Avengers Corner of the Marvel Universe. And if I'm not mistaken, Will Mouse has had uh, experience with the Avengers corner prior to this in some capacity, but I can't remember. Right. Uh, probably um, um, like an associate editor or something, but I don't remember. Regardless, he's got the whole kit in the caboodle. So, yeah, um, this comes from Brewvert's, um, uh newsletter, which I've been, you know, checking out as, as of recently. And some good stuff, some interesting stuff from, from the dude to certain folks. So <laughs> including part of this, cause yeah, that, uh, uh Avengers United Marvel, uh, unlimited, uh, Marvel infinity thing. I found out from there, but it was definitely something we talked about previously. Either way. Um, next up. Um, Oh wait, it's me in it. So mm-hmm. eight to seven. Why don't you take this one actually? Okay. One second. So, um, this is an article straight from the Marvel webpage. Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars facsimile edition, as I wait for this website to reload, celebrates the, the multiple facsimile editions celebrate the 40th anniversary of the original Marvel crossover event. Starting in January 2024, each issue of the 12 limited series, 12 issue limited series, and an entire year of the Amazing Spider-Man, starting at 252, will be represented in its original form. Wow, that's kind of fun, guys. It's kind of fun. It's yeah. one of my favorite stories of all time. Same. I grew up reading it. I was in I was in elementary school reading this, and it, you know you could not take these comics out of my hands. They were so good. Yeah, I was near around that also. But yeah, 
Uh, like I said, this is one of those ones that I kind of wish we had gotten to when we we're doing our Evergreen uh, episodes. I don't know why we actually didn't do it outside of the fact that, you know, we started getting books back again. But I figured like this, is, knowing how dear, near and dear that this uh, the uh, Marvel Superhero Secret Wars is to us, I'm slightly surprised that we, that wasn't the first one we did. Yeah. Um, for some reason. But hey, it is what it is. Still a good uh, story to read. Uh, they, so, I guess so good that they've done three other Secret Wars uh, f- to varying degrees of uh, quality. Looking at you, Secret Wars 2. Um, anywho. Uh, meet Spider-Woman's new enemy, Green Mamba. And yes, this is uh, uh, in Jessica Drew's new book. Uh, with that is also going to be a gang war crossover, of course, because that's the, that's going to be a thing that we're going to be dealing with for the next few months. Um, let's see, Spider Man, Spider Woman, excuse me, number one is uh, coming out November twenty ninth, and it's going to introduce uh, this villain, Green Mamba, as uh, Jessica's looking for someone near and dear to her, uh, and there are at least a preview page here. Well, there's going to be hints of who that person is in uh, the preview pages that are, are given here. So, there you go. I'll leave folks for, to, to check out that in the show notes if you want to, if you didn't see that, that very quick scroll that I just did. <laughs> Next up. All righty. Um, one moment. I threw Agent 70 off and about to throw him off again in, in, in a few, but he'll thank me for it. Cable joins the final battle for Krakoa in new Cable series by Fabian Nitsieza. Uh The fight to save Krakoa is upon us. The final battle will be told across two interconnected series, as we've talked about before, Fall of the House of X and Rise of the Powers of Ten, as well as various tie-in issues. And now we're getting Fabian Nitsieza and Scott Eaton on Cable, launching in January. Okay. If you have not been reading Children on the Vault, um, you should. It's a pretty good buddy cop uh, uh, story, in addition to what else they're doing in there with uh, Capel and Bishop, who historically have never liked each other. And they kind of play with that a little bit uh, in the course of that. But yeah. Uh, also, I think I might have put something up on CB Caps uh, uh, from that issue, so I can't remember. But if I haven't, if I have, check out what's up there now anyway. Um, because you know, good stuff. EA Iron Man game is being developed in Unreal Engine 5. Um, so apparently, according to a blog post from EA Motive, Unreal uh, Engine 5 will be, will quote, empower the dev team to work their magic and create something very, really special. And as uh, Unreal folks who may know, Unreal Engine probably have some pop in or whatnot, uh, but you know, the that's the most endearing qualities about that, that that engine. Anywho, so yeah, apparently EA Motive is, is focusing on Iron Man after um, switching from that recent uh, Dead Space remake, which uh, I hear people like a whole lot. So if they can bring some some quality to a new uh, Iron Man game and not being uh, a piece of shovelware like uh, old licensed uh, um, Marvel and Marvel games used to be. We might have something on our hands. We'll see. Which you might see some of those old games being played some sometime soon. And now that I, I have uh, 
a couple of pieces that I need. So that's going to be a revisitation I'm not looking forward to. But hopefully folks will enjoy. Next up. So I'm going to start this story with a question. Have you picked this game up yet? Picked it up? Yes. Played it? No. Ah, Marvel Spider-Man 2 is the fastest selling PlayStation Studios game ever, apparently. Yeah. So it's sold through more than 2.5 million copies in 24 hours, Sony revealed. Okay. Look, when I tell you there was much fervor, and I've seen a lot of people playing the game, which I, I, I have not watched myself because I want to play through, you know, play going um, relatively spoiler free. Uh, right. Outside of some of the stuff that I've seen, you know, in uh, leading up to the game coming out. Uh, yeah, they, the, people were hot on this game, you know. And it, we are getting into the season where there are a lot of games coming out. But, uh, yeah, people, and I've seen people saying they've been enjoying it. The game looks good. And, you know, if you like the first game or even the first two games, you'll probably like this one is the, the general um, uh, the general thought of this. And apparently this article kind of comes with a bunch of Easter eggs that might be in it, which, uh, which not surprised because game, those games are full of Easter eggs for stuff. Again, some of which may be shown in another uh, way at some point, if I can get off my laurels. Now, next up, I'm going to take these next two, because I know Agent 70 does not want them. Okay. <clears throat> uh, and actually, they're, they're related anyway, because Magic the Gathering and Marvel Comics are going to cross over. I saw this story. I groaned. Yeah, so folks may or may not know, Magic the Gathering, if for the last few years, have been, you know, doing crossover stuff with a bunch of different franchises. I suppose it was only a matter of time before one of the big two get in, get into, uh, get, get into bed with them. And here we are. And apparently, according to the next article, um, that whole, the whole Magic the Gathering and Marvel collaboration is going to be a multi-year, uh, multi-set deal. Now, as a person who loves card games and loves Magic the Gathering and has played a couple of, uh, well, at least one or two Marvel-based um, uh, card bait, card games, I'm in, I like this. I'm hoping there's going to be some digital stuff come out of this as, and not just physical cards, although I will probably try to get those also. Um, you know, it's not the first time there's been a card-based mar- uh, Marvel game, put it this way. Just not one that's uh, associated with, uh, some would say, the daddy of card games. Right. Um, and that being Magic the Gathering. So, but yeah, apparently there's a video uh, that is, was announcing that. It was, uh, um, but I did not watch that. So um, I will have to check that out. But... I saw this and I was like, okay, sure. That's going to be a thing. Uh, and now that I've seen this other article, it's going to be a few different things, apparently. So, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be fun. That's going to be, well, I'm hopefully that's going to be fun. Depending on how they, how they do things. But in order to, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously keep an eye and an ear on this and move on to the next story, which is... Oh, so you've already done the combo stories? Yeah. He-Man and TMNT combined for Turtles of Skull figures. That is a sentence I don't think I ever thought I would utter. <laughs> oh. I'm waiting 
Goodness gracious. By the power. Oh, my goodness. I can't even read that. That's terrible. Superhero hype. Where are your editors? So uh, <laughs> arguably the hottest toy line of the 80s will mesh with its 90s counterpart in Turtles of Greyskull. Grayskull. So um, now per the press release from Mattel, the partnership between Masters of the Universe and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles allows fans to create new storytelling moments within the, within the Turtles of Grayskull line, which outfits characters including Leonardo and Raphael, Donatella and Michelangelo, with Eternian-style battle gear. And He-Man from Masters of the Universe will, will battle his mutagen mutation while Skeletor will don turtle-inspired armor. Okay. Yeah. You know what? It's time to get funky. So the, the funny thing, um, as I'm scrolling through some of these figures, um, uh, in, including... I don't know who this character is, is it, but it's basically Crane, Crane. Mm-hmm. Uh, in what looks like an orc uh, suit. Um, was this Triclops? Is that Triclops? I can't remember uh, this dude's name. Uh, with a mouser arm. And of course, Donatello in man in arm gear. So the funny thing I was going to get to was that comic-wise, both of these uh, franchises have done a lot of crossovers. I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been one, well, that I remember, one between the two of them. Right. Yes, but I have a suspicion that this, these are probably coming. These are like kit bashes. <laughs> like somebody just like threw these together in a drunken or high state and was like, oh, what if we do this? Not mm-hmm. saying they're bad, but you know, uh, hey, some, some strange looking figures. Of course, uh, Leonardo has a. Uh, two swords that almost look like he more he mans anyway so that's the thing do, do we have a date on these or just to, that we know this is coming uh january, january 2024 yeah yeah so we'll probably talk a little bit more about these uh for close to that time next up though and uh the new invisible game that makes that is like playing your own version of the comic book uh, according to this article so this is an upcoming game, actually, called Invincible Presents Adam Eve. Um, it is a video game that's... Is it an RPG? I see. It says, you're Adam Eve, a teen superhero that's looking to balance her obligations of family and school with those of her crime-fighting group, the teen team. It follows a loose adaptation of the plot of the comics. And according to this article, there's a brief preview that includes several sections that directly lifted scenes or dialogue from the comic and show uh, of the same of uh, the name Invincible. I still have not watched that episode of um, of Adam Eve yet. I'm about to get to that because I know what next week actually is when the the new season of uh, oh is it yeah I believe they said what the third or fourth is um, uh-huh, that's quick yeah is uh, when the new season and granted it's only going to be four episodes but still. <laughs> Uh, it's still going to be a thing. So yeah, this is going to be, this is actually kind of cool because I don't think there's been a, um, that I can remember an, an invincible video game or not a good one if there was one before I did this. Mm-hmm. So uh, November 14th, which sure makes sense given that the new season is coming out, is going to be, uh, is when this, uh, going to come out for PC on Steam. Uh, it says further platforms are set to be announced, but yeah. 
most people are on Steam anyway, so I'm pretty sure that's not a surprise it's going to be there. It's either going to be Steam or Epic. So uh, I may have to check this out, even though I'm not the biggest. I, I don't know that much about Invincible outside of the show and what little I've read of the, the comic book. So Next up, though. Skybound Tabletop unleashes a new Invincible game. Uh, a new, it's a new board game, which will hit retail in February 2024. In this game, based on the hit Amazon series, players assume the roles of the Guardians of the Globe or astronauts who are trying to escape Mars without bringing home a sequid parasite, which could potentially destroy the world. Okay. Uh, let's see here. It will retail for $24.99. Yes. Um, next up, though, Into the Breach Wars with Hasbro's new Transformers masterpiece, Rhinox. Um, so, yeah, there's a new Rhinox figure. Um, and I guess this was the third one. So there's a Optimus Priable that you can see here. There's a Cheetor, which I did see those. Uh, but now there's a Rhinox, which I kind of almost want to pick up. <laughs> So I don't know. I haven't really dove, dove, uh, dove into that corner of the Transformers uh, figures yet. Uh, it is, however, a little pricey. So that's probably not going to happen anytime soon, even if it happens. The pre-orders are live, and it's going to be uh, $220 with a release date of September 2024. But it's a masterpiece uh, Transformer, so those things are pricey anyway. So that's that, that price is not that big of a surprise. So... Next up. So, if you missed out on these the first time, you can roll out with the first Transformers 40th Anniversary Collectibles. Come on, they're toys. So, the initial assortment of these retro 40th Anniversary figures are Autobot Blaster and Steeljaw. That's Blaster's cassette. For those of you who have no idea what cassettes are, and sound wa- sound wave with laser beacon ravage, so yeah, that's pretty cool. You know what? Uh, these things have been super expensive, like the, uh, the the masterpiece versions. And if you want something that's a little bit more reasonably priced, that is based on the original G one releases, this may be right up your alley. Yeah, this is can... set to come out uh, set to ship. I'm no. sorry, February fifteenth, twenty twenty four. Yeah, I mean they've been, they've had a a, I don't want to call it a low budget line, but they've they've been having some of these out and um, for for cheaper because uh, it's like the War for Cybertron stuff. So they've had a line that was kind of a little bit cheaper that that had these figures out. But since this is an anniversary, they can you know uh, they can do things like this. I think I have both of those actually. I might be looking for a blaster, but I definitely have a sound wave, and I think I got the I do have the sound the the masterpiece sound wave. So. Um, in lieu of the one that I used to have that I don't no longer have before. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, so real quick, a funny thing. So this is uh, notably, I guess, yeah, Sound, Sound Wave is coming with uh, Laser Beak and Ravage. Of those two cassettes, um, and also uh, um, notably missing in later iterations of uh, the, the cartoon, as uh, if you follow a certain Twitch channel on, uh, uh, on online, 
Laser Beak is usually the only one that gets called out by Soundwave. Like Ravaging, I mean Ravage barely even shows up uh, in season. Uh, season Rumble three. every once in a while. That's just it. Not even then. Rumble and Frenzy don't. I have not seen. And I'm talking like season three because I've been watching a little bit of uh, season three uh, Transformers oh. lately because of the, the, the certain Twitch channel, which I'm not going to name because I don't want to get them in trouble. But uh, you know, right, right. But, um, but yeah, and even at the end of one of the shows, and I remember this originally, it was like the only tape they talk about are Blasters tapes and Laserbeak. Well, Ratbat also, but Ratbat is also a later later tape, so that's funny. Which is also not in this uh, uh, particular uh, set, so that's interesting. But also worth noting, it looks like there is a Sound Blaster. Uh, is that a Sound Blaster? Yes, that looks like a Sound Blaster. That is a and a shockwave. Uh, that is also in this uh, new set. So yeah. Anyway, um, stay tuned for that. Next up, though, uh, we head back to the comic books with New Gia Geo continuity. Uh, Cobra's official roster has been revealed, including according according to this article, a shock GI Joe hero. Uh, and this is uh, sounds like this is coming from. Uh, January's Cobra Commander number one, which is the the miniseries uh, set in the Energon universe, that is, uh, uh, you know, that that bridges Transformers and GI Joe. I know before then we will see the Duke miniseries, and I think GI Joe, the ongoing series is not going to happen. Actually, it might happen by by the time this uh, uh, this comes out. I can't remember. Uh, but Cobra Commander number one is going to be on sale for January seventh from Skybound Entertainment, of course. And if you're watching the video version of the show, you can see um, uh, um, an Instagram post from Skybound Entertainment with uh, some notable Cobra figures uh, in it. The one they're talking about that's from the Joes, I'm not entirely sure. Well, actually, I mean, I know which one it is because I know which one it is, isn't, but I don't know of this Joe. But uh, if you're not watching the video version, you see Cobra Commander, Destro, Zarana, of all people, and Mercer, which I think is the Joe in question, or from a Joe in question. Uh, don't know who that person is. Who I, so, therefore, I don't care as much. I thought it was Chuckles because Chuckles did go over the cover the, the, for, for a good old while in, um, in, uh, in Cobra, so... Anyway, that's a little neither here nor there. Next up. All righty. Uh, where are we? I see uh, Mattel has partnered with Abrams IDW for Monster High novels and comics. So IDW Publishing and Abrams Books will publish new books, new comics based on Mattel's Monster High franchise, including middle grade and YA novel series from Abrams and a 10-issue comic series from IDW. This is all going to actually the uh, Abrams middle grade series is titled Monster High School Spirits and the first volume of Fright to Remember by Adriana Cuevas will be released on October 31st, 2024. Wow, this is we're, we're way out. All yeah. this stuff is free comic book day 2024. That's going to be a new Monster High new scare mester on free comic book day. Yeah, this is all 2024 stuff. Well, you know, they, 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 um, some of the stuff kind of gets out there. Yeah, that's, that's on lead time. Mm-hmm. Just a bit. Um, 
Apparently, there is going to be a prequel comic for Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. Uh, as according to this article, it's going to be essential reading. Um, I have not watched that movie. I don't even know if it's even out yet. No, it is not. Uh, it's coming out December 22nd. Uh, but yes, a prequel comic is going to come out in the most opportune time, January 2024th, and delves into the origin stories of the characters of Devra and Darian Bloodaxe. It's going to be a four-part um, comic a series written by Mags uh, Visaggio and features art by Clark Bent uh, and I guess provides additional context to the, that whatever that Rebel Moon thing is. Okay. Whatever. Next up. <laughs> Todd McFarlane and Image Comics are launching several new Spawn spin-off comic books including a brand new series starring Gunslinger Spawn. Spawn, Spawn, Spawn. So he's launching, Ted, Todd McFarlane is launching 10 new comic books in the Spawn universe. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know what? It's always been ripe for expansion. He just needed to allow other creators into the Spawn universe. And there have been efforts. And obviously, we, there's one infamous time with uh, Neil Gaiman. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, there, there's still plenty of... Uh, uh, story ideas to mine there. But also, I feel like there's actually been recent spawn, there, there's been a good bit, because I, I, you know, as one who pulls the covers for, for the book, books every week, so I feel like I continue to see spawn books listed out there. So, it's like, it's not like they've had a shortage or, you know, of, uh, of them, but more power to them, I guess. Uh, last but not least, though... Uh, is one I just pulled, so I can just go ahead and get this out of the way. Uh, DC boss exits Warner Brothers Discovery. So um, it says here that Warner Brothers Discovery president of global brands, franchises, and experiences, Pam Leiford, or Leiford, I guess Leiford, is leaving the company to focus on family healthcare issue. On a family healthcare issue, excuse me. Uh, DC president Jim Lee and general manager Anne DePies or the Piers will report directly to uh, Leaford's boss. DC has confirmed. So I assume they're probably going to find someone to take a, uh, take the, Oh no, they already have, excuse me. So do, 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 do. Bruce Campbell, not the actor. Um, said DC, DC has confirmed the uh, least, well, excuse me, Lifford had previously reported to WBD Chief Revenue and Strategy Officer Bruce Campbell. Uh, Leon DePiez will now report to Campbell directly. And apparently Com Campbell comes from the director, uh, discovery side of things, so that doesn't bode well, uh, of the merger. Uh, he was the lead negotiation for the deal. Yada, 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 yakety schmackety, uh, NBC Universal, yada, yada, yada. So the change will take place uh, on November 27th. Uh, per the company, so yikes! And that, folks, is um, the end of the news section. Can we get one last ad read? Come on, folks! You know what happens at the end of the show. We're tired. It's late. We've been going for a while. Help us keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon, which is what I was doing just now because I realized I ran out of something. Visit CSPN.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. 
From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, the CSP and uh, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the CS the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. That was not the ad read we're going to record for future reference. I'm not cutting that out, but yes, you're right. Actually, well, I don't think we have to worry about uh, Amazon because I think you might got those covered. Either way, um, we have come to the end of uh, another show. We will be back. uh, No, we will be back next week, but not on Thursday. Correct. This is this is. I gotta make me. I now see. Now we gotta check our calendars again. We gotta check our calendars again, folks. How am I the one that remembers this? And this is your thing. Well, listen, it's late, man. I'm tired. Looking, I I gotta look at my calendar again. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Letting it load. 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 Yes, I believe I am otherwise engaged next Thursday evening. So. Um, there's, that's kind of one reason why we decided to go, uh, a little all out with, um, talking about two episodes of Loki tonight. So yes, we will be recording next week on, uh, November 3rd. Yeah. So catch it. But, uh, until then folks, um, I've been Rydicat. You can find me at Rydicat on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. You can find my CB caps on Instagram. PC, uh, nope, sorry, um, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter, pop culture, uh, what am I doing? <laughs> Agent 70, Twitter, um, Instagram, threads. Threads! Now we get the PC and underscore dirt. I don't know why even, it wasn't even on the screen anywhere. Um, PC and underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com is all the numbers site there in. And last but never, ever, ever, ever least, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's T-H-E-K-L-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word, theclicknation.com. But, of course, he is over at um, comicbook.com, where he's over there right in his face off. Uh, Timothy Adams, go check him out. He is back, he is back from his hiatus, isn't he? Not sure. I've got to ask. Yeah, I guess so. Or just check the it's site. It's been a couple of months, so you know it's hard to it's hard to know. So. Right, right. Or yeah, I'll just check the site one way or the other because I know he's busy. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. It says CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Make sure to click like, subscribe, and leave us all the positive five-star <clears throat> reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Uh, yeah, you can find us normally recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish uh, Eastern Standard Time on uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash Chronicles. Make sure to click like, subscribe, and uh, hit the notification button to... Let yourself know when we are on live broadcasting and recording. Yes. Um, 
And with that, you stay tuned to our social media for when we record. Like I said, we're going to do it next Friday, so there, there's that. But still, stay tuned just in case there's any issue or change or whatnot, or for anything else that we might end up doing on this here channel. Um, last but not least, I want to say rest in peace to both uh, Richard Roundtree, the original Shaft, who passed away recently, and... Uh, uh, hip hop, uh, I guess some would call him an icon for, for one reason alone. Uh, DJ Mark 45 King, maker of the, the 40, uh, the 900 number, which goes a little something like this. It keeps going from there, so you, you, you get the picture, right? But, Shout out to Ed Lover, yes. I'll, Rest in peace, the, the other version of Dr. Dre. Wait, did he? He did pass, didn't he? Oh, shit. Yep. And don't forget about that. Um, man, whew, we are getting old. Uh, but anyway, that's, this has been the Comic Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Wakanda forever!